0: Hello and welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. We come to you on the back of a thrilling victory against Leicester City. But before we get into that, let's see who we've got on the show today. Today we're joined by I Love Solly March. Well, hello I Love Solly March. How are you doing today?
1: I Love Solly March. Yeah, I I love Solly March.
0: Me too. And we are also joined by Curtis. Curtis, how are you going, brother? Spectacular, my friend. Thank you.
2: Uh, How are you, Tom? Before you ask, Dan.
0: Um, I'm doing well. Uh, First day back at school for me today. Uh, So getting up this morning was like, whoa, I've got to get up and actually do stuff. So, you know, such is life. Uh, Daniel, how are you doing today, brother? You are sporting some very fine football apparel attire there. Uh, So how are you doing, brother?
3: Just going to say, you can clearly see that I've been to the club shop today. Um, yeah, I'm all good today. Yeah, as I say, spent some money, so
0: yeah, I'm a little bit happier. Dan is splashing the cash, and as uh, yeah, generally speaking, there, Dan, that's a really nice top there. Um, good skills, good skills. So let's dive straight into it, shall we? Then, guys, because we've got a lot to talk about in our podcast today, some controversial things to chat about, of course. Well. After the weekend we've had with the officials and VAR, it was always bound to happen. But before we get anywhere near that, let's talk about the starting 11. Um, Because the starting 11 against Fulham threw us a bit of a curveball because we didn't play with a recognised striker. And it was a bit of a fiasco. So, Joe, seeing Welbeck back in the squad and starting, how relieved were you when you saw his name on the team sheet?
1: Extremely. Um, We saw the struggles against Fulham. We've spoken about it at length. Obviously, we've since had the closure of the transfer window. Um, A lot of feelings were known and put on the table. Um, Obviously, as as I said in in that episode, it's time to move on from that and see what the squad can do. Uh, Delighted, he, he came through the game injury free because I'm just going to be so bloody worried now every time Danny Welbeck's on the ball, don't get injured, don't get injured. Um, But he's so class. And yeah, he, again, another fantastic performance from him. uh, But we'll dive into that in more detail um, in a, a little while.
0: Yeah, we certainly will do. It was definitely very refreshing uh, to see his name back on the team sheet. Uh, Curtis, one man who did keep his place was Inuk Umwepu, And I put on the group chat and on Twitter before the game that it raised a few eyebrows after his um, disappointing performance against Fulham. Uh, We will, of course, talk about his performance um, in the game, which I thought was very good. I'm going to just say that now. Um, But when you saw his name on the team sheet, after that disappointing game against Fulham, were you a bit surprised that he had managed to keep his place?
2: Uh Yeah. Uh, yeah, to be honest, because he, uh, along with most of the team, were pretty poor. So, um, obviously, Potter has a lot of... Uh, puts a lot of trust in him, and he felt like he could come uh, back out and uh, perform to the best of his abilities. And, you know, he did that. He had a fantastic game. So, um yeah, I mean, was surprised, but I'm I'm glad he was there.
0: So. Yeah, me too. Especially as we'll get onto in just a bit uh, his contribution to the team. Uh, Dan, just uh, your thoughts on the starting eleven. Were you confident when you saw that the team that Graham Potter had put out against the Leicester, who um, had been struggling?
3: I was just happy that that he uh, has gone for the formation that's worked, because as you can clearly see against uh, Fulham, it didn't work. Um, so yeah, I was happy to see more about, well back in the team. Uh, say with the formation, I was kind of worried about M- Mwebu because he, I was, as, as as Curtis said, basically all the rest of the team wasn't really that great. So Mweppu didn't didn't really look the same person we had. I mean, I described him as um, basically he was crashed. The computer crashed on Tuesday, and by looks of looks of the game as we'll get into, he got refreshed. Control Alt Deleted, shall we say?
0: <laughs> Very well put, Dan. Very well put. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about it. The game kicks off, Joe, and it's possibly the worst start imaginable. Leicester scored after, what, 50 seconds? Uh, March was bundled off the ball in the middle of the park. Um, the ball found its way to Dacker on the left-hand side. He pulled the ball back to Ianacho, who taps home from eight yards. Under a minute, Joe. Um, we saw some pretty questionable defending against Fulham. After conceding so early on, did you think there and then that we were going to be in for another long afternoon?
1: Yeah, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, let's not start like that because it puts all the pressure back onto us um, to come out at home as well. We're renowned for not doing very well against the teams that are struggling. Um, so I was thinking it's just going to be one of those one of those days where things don't go our way. We capitulate and and. It just doesn't happen for us, um, especially when Solly, um, who's normally so reliable, gets sort of shifted off the ball quite easily. Um, at the time, um, I wasn't 100% sure because obviously happening at a million miles per hour in the stadium, I thought it could have been a foul, but you guys quickly pointed out it wasn't. Um, but yeah, just a, a really cheap goal to concede. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it woke us up. Let's Let's just say that. <laughs>
0: Very diplomatic, Joe. Very diplomatic. Curtis, um, as I've alluded to already, you know, the performance defensively against Fulham wasn't brilliant. Um, You know, we've gone from being a difficult team to score against uh, to suddenly conceding uh, four goals now in two games. Um, After that, you know, conceding within such an you know, just within minutes of, well, within a minute of kickoff, sorry. Um, did you sort of think, similar question to Joe, did you think we were going to be in for a long afternoon? Did you see, see us being able to pull it back?
2: I I pretty much said something in the vein of we're doing a Brighton. We, we're going to, you know, we're, we're coming up against a, a team that we are sure fired to be. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is going to be a long, long game. Um, but, you know, the rest of the game panned out pretty Pretty good. It certainly did, Curtis. And then one final question for you,
0: Dan, about that goal. um You know, you often hear pundits and people who are in the know about football talking about scoring too early. Do you think that's what happened to Leicester?
3: I think probably their confidence probably got quite high. Obviously, they obviously have been quite poor uh lately, uh, which is unlike. Leicester, because obviously, you know, being Premier League champions, you expect sort of maybe a bit more of a better performances from them. When they score first, I, I myself, I thought this is going to be basically as yeah, said, doing a Brighton, shall we say? Um, but yeah, scoring early, you can all—it's it's basically you have got to be ahead for eighty-nine minutes, and it's very difficult to do that. And um, as it's shown, it was too difficult for them
0: yeah it certainly did pan out that way I mean I, I I was trying to get my uh my live stream working and and then Aaron within about a minute just text uh the group chat saying I think it was lol or I'm out and I was like oh god not <laughs> already um but no it was um I at that moment I'm not gonna lie I did have my head in my hands because I I said in our little pre- pre-match video that it was just such a brighton thing to do come up against the team who hasn't won in x games hasn't scored in x games, struggling it was just a very brighton thing to do to concede uh so early to that team and obviously the game worked out in the end but i must admit within the first minute i was uh, head in hand sort of oh god we're in for a long afternoon here but joe it did not take very long for brighton to get back into the game i think it was what nine minutes um Trossar curled a lovely ball to the back post and March, uh, that boy Solly March, he heads it goalwards from three yards out. But the last touch comes off of the Leicester defender, Thomas. Were you absolutely gutted that that goal wasn't credited to our Solly? Uh,
1: Absolutely. I saw how delighted he was uh, wheeling away to celebrate. um, Celebrating in the same area of the, the ground that he celebrated that famous goal against Wigan as well um just what a moment for him he, he's come under a lot of critics uh, for not finding the back of the net um and i just really feel like if, if that one was credited to him um we wouldn't see that utter nonsense that we're seeing on twitter at the moment um just saying he's an awful player because he can't score let let's be real you 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 judge a striker because they can't score we judge Morpay because he could only score us nine or eight goals, which again I, I found ridiculous. That the stick towards him. Now Morpay is gone. We've got to find somebody else to hate, somebody else to to be the scapegoat of of bad performances or, or bad ways. And unfortunately, that's what has fallen to Solly March. Maybe it's always been there, and it's highlighted because there's not other players to take that brunt. Um, But Solly March gives so much more to this team. Than goal scoring and assisting, and I know that sounds mental because it's goals and assists that win you games. But he is part of, and I've I've said this before, well oiled machine that Graham Potter's put together. Graham Potter is one of the, if not the best coach in the country right now. Um, and he trusts Solly March. Chris Hughton has trusted Solly March. Sammy Hoopia has trusted Solly March. Oscar Garcia has trusted Solly March. Gus Poyet has watched Solly March come through the, the academy ranks. That's five managers, albeit not of all the same stature, but that's five managers in football, well-known in football, that rate Solly March. Yes, our fans, who probably couldn't manage a piss-up in a brewery, sit there and go oh no Sonny March he can't score so I want him out the team he gives he gives 110% every single game and that's all I ask from a footballer that puts on our uh, our shirt to give us everything they've got and he does that Um and let's talk about the assists for the assists let's talk about the work rate it's just second to none. And for me, he's one of the first names on on that team sheet at the moment. What a start to the season he's had. And long may it continue. I love Solly March. You should too.
0: Very well said, Joe. Solly March is a criminally underrated player for this team. You know, he hasn't stuck around for, what, 10 years as you say, Joe, he's played under some very good managers, all of whom have rated him. Um, you know, he has been moved around the pitch. Um, he's played in all sorts of different positions. And to my knowledge, he's never complained. He's always put in a shift for this team. And it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about him having an outside chance at making the England squad when he was uh, first playing in that left wing back role, which he did so well. Um, there is certainly an argument to be had that, you know, scoring more goals. But as I've previously said, if he did score more goals, he would be snapped up by, you know, I would say a top six club, but here we are sitting in fourth. Um, He would be scouted and he would be, you know, tipped for, I don't want to say it, but bigger clubs, you know, than us. He is a fantastic player. He is a fantastic player. And it's like you say, Joe, it's now Mope's gone. Now Gross is putting in performances. We need a new scapegoat. And it's either normally Adam Lalana or Solly March. Before them, it was Mope and Gross. Before them, you know, going way back, it was Ashley Barnes. It is just the way of fans. You know, fans need a scapegoat. They need to moan at someone. Um, you know, we showed in our Fulham video that we're not afraid to critique players. We're not afraid to call players out and say that performance wasn't good enough. We've already said at the top of the show about Mwepu um, not performing particularly well against Fulham. But look what he did. In uh, I know we're talking about a different player now, but look what Mwepu then did against uh, Leicester. So stop with the agenda nonsense and just get behind the players. Sure, critique a bad performance, but it's like, tell me you haven't watched the first six games without telling me you haven't watched the first six games. Nonsense. Curtis, Soli March. is he one of the first names on your team sheet?
2: Absolutely. The guy has so much... Passion and and heart and he, he's just everywhere all the t- all the time he's, he's so he's so good man like and yesterday like i was so happy you know when he got when i thought he got the goal i was like yes come on finally jesus we were saying one of the last two like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen at some point point and when it was no goal i was like oh no poor solid and then, and then i knew after that people would lump stuff on him because you know it's just what people like to do um and it was weird even after winning 5-2 just the amount of negative stuff i saw on social media was was ridiculous i think we could have won 5-0 and people would have would have still have something to complain about just be happy that you're seeing your team winning at home in such a decisive manner right just be there and yeah five five of them count them five and en- enjoy yourself why be so negative all the damn time damn. But yeah. yeah, basically that is my two
0: cents on it. I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think it's the first time we've scored five goals in a Premier League game.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. Yep.
0: So, you know, I mean, again, the performance wasn't perfect. We'll come on and talk about the defensive errors as we already have alluded to. Um, But we've just put five pla- past, a, you know, former Premier League winners, Um past, you know, a Brendan Rogers side. And let's be honest, I know he's not, things aren't going
2: well at the moment, but you know, he's a good manager, a good coach. Um, I do want to yeah. preface something, though. I do think it is quite sad to see where Leicester are headed. I do hope that um, things can be sorted out for them as they are a good team. They're, they've got uh, good owners and they've got some really good individual players and I hope it improves for them.
1: And they've got some really nice fans. I follow a lot of Leicester fans um, and I've got a really good friend that's a Leicester fan um, as well. So um, uh, And the the leader of Mental Health United, he's also a Leicester fan. He was at the game apologies um so yeah um they, they've got some amazing fans and uh yeah as I repeat what you say Curtis I hope that things improve for them
0: yep let's hope so but one man we've just mentioned there Enoch Mwepu who I was uh as I say definitely raised my eyebrows when I saw him in the team sheet he was absolutely pivotal Dan to the second goal and it only took us another five minutes to go ahead after drawing level. Uh, Mwepu steals the ball off of Madison, who was far too casual in possession. And then he's just allowed so much time and space. He gallops forward before laying the ball off to Kaiseido, who then powers the ball home. Um, Just before we come on to talk about Kaiseido, how good, Dan, will it be for Mwepu's confidence, especially after the Fulham game, to get that assist?
3: It did a world of good because of... um... A, anybody who who would have gone out would have panicked and probably he would have probably took a shot himself and obviously which would have been the wrong decision. I was watching it um going going past casela, casino, and then he got it to him. I was like, Oh here we go, and obviously then it happened, I was happy and obviously um to be fair defending was bad for it as well and uh obviously we'll come on to that when we talk about but yeah, but it'll do great for him and weapon with confidence. As I say, he got the control alt deleted for this game. He got refreshed. He got restarted. They turned him on and off again and put him back on. And
2: here he is. Great again. They unplugged it and went, plugged it back in. He's all good now. I want someone
0: out there. I'm not tech savvy. I'm not editing savvy. I want someone out there to the moment where Muepu gets the ball. I want them to start like that restarting noise. And then as soon as he passes it off to Kaiseda, that dun, 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 dun that you get when you uh, turn your computer on or whatever. I think that would be pretty cool. That would make me happy. Um, But no, I thought, as I say, someone tried to get like a gotcha moment with me on Twitter because they were like, oh, that aged well. And I was like, yeah, really good. Good skills. Didn't fight it, didn't be like oh, crap or whatever. Because, you know, as I say, we're here to critique where needed and to admit we're wrong when we're needed. Uh, but anyway, less about that and more about the man who scored that second goal in Moises Caicedo. Now, Joe, they say he's come to win the Ballon d'Or. He has taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. How impressed. Were you with Kaiseido's goal and his overall performance?
1: I mean, we we talk about his performance every week. It's becoming a, a usual thing. Kaiseido, ten out of ten every single game, um, maybe except for the Fulham one. But as we've already said, everyone was off the boil then. Um, but oh, what a guy! Um, energy, fantastic. Um, intelligence for the game at such a young age fantastic to be in that position like he's he's technically like a, a holding ball winning midfielder and he finds himself on the right hand side of the attack absolutely fantastic pace to get there and um, to to know what Mwepu was going to do and then pass it to him Um and the strike can we talk about that strike that that it was like one of the most powerful shots i've ever seen in my life it almost took the well, bloody like net
0: later in the game
1: well yeah we we talk about it. i'm i'm still i'm still salty about that tom i was going to get salty about it later but now now you've triggered me um talking about caicedo what a strike that was um and i'm sure the net almost came out of the out of the ground um and Fantastic for him, six games into to get a goal. Obviously, he had a fantastic end to the season last season. Got a goal against United. He's going to do his confidence the world of good. Um, and he's come out as well. I, I saw Richie Mills release an article saying Caicedo doesn't want to leave and he, he, he wants to be at Brighton and, and work at Brighton. So long may that continue. And let's hope that that loyalty stays with him because we're the ones that have given him that chance. Um, we've got a fantastic team around him. I feel like we should, in the future, build the team around Caicedo. And who knows where this team could go. What an exciting time um, to to have this young man in, in our Premier League squad.
0: Yeah, it's a very exciting time um, to be a Brighton fan. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about that in depth a bit later. Um, really quickly, Curtis, before we talk about Leicester's equaliser, there was a moment um, when it could have all been over really and that was a bit of a howler at the back from Ward who I'm just going to go out there and say I think he must be one of the worst Premier League keepers I think uh, we've come up against the only one who I think comes close was um oh was it the Norwich keeper Matt McGovern or was that in the championship anyway he was a, he that was a, in the championship yeah. was it that yeah but anyway it was a Ward what a poor performance I thought he had and it was he almost gifted Danny Welbeck um a goal. Uh, Wellbeck chipped it. It did. Um, it did hit the roof of the net. But Curtis, could we have been and should we have been out of sight by that point?
2: I mean, I'm not going to sit here and slate anyone's performance. I mean, um, but he was bloody terrible. Yes. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I, I think if there was people up that side, maybe Wellbeck could have got a ball to someone. But uh, I, I think you've got to give something to Wellbeck for even just trying that amazing piece of play there. I mean, it just shows, again, how how integral he is to to the side. Um, you know, I, I honestly could say this, right? If, if Welbeck went a whole season, right, without scoring a single goal, played every game like he does with, you know, that intensity and holding up the ball and he's really intelligent, I would be fine with it. <clears throat> Legitimately fine.
0: Yeah, I'd take that. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, but before the game, uh, Joel Veltman was talking to Sky Sports and he said... Um, one of the reasons that Brighton are so hard to score against uh, and to beat is because the press starts with the forwards, and I think you've just hit the nail on the head there, Curtis. Because that's exactly what Danny Welbeck did. He started that press. He forced Ward into a mistake, and you know it almost cost Leicester um, a third goal
2: before half time. The man's a menace. We have to address this. He needs to be stopped, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, <laughs> don't stop him ever. No, but he's he's a menace, and he he's been so so good and. That, that role that he's he's doing um long long may it continue danny welbeck long may it continue
0: Yeah, if you're in any way superstitious folks you know touch all the wood at your house you know cross all your fingers because we need to keep this man fit danny welbeck must stay fit he is the key to our, our one of what well, one of the many keys one of the well-oiled cogs as joe says in the machine that keeps brighton rumbling on dan Unfortunately, though Leicester did equalise before half time, it was a bit of a calamitous, uh, you know, mix up. Really, Webster long ball out, um, lands at the feet of a Leicester player, then a simple ball over the top from Tielemans, which catches out Dunk, uh, who has been, you know, pretty stellar so far this season. And Daka controls it, slots it past Sanchez. Um, I don't know if you were at the game last season, but did it remind you? Of what happened against Villa, simple long ball over the top and bang, we concede.
3: See now I can't remember that, but obviously I'll I'll just go by what I what I saw. Um I I sort of when I looked at it I was at the replays, I was sort of for like, well Dunks clearly was just ball watching, not really keeping an eye on anything behind him, and obviously. when he tried to go for the ball, it just sort of fell and it sort of he said you see he didn't get back up either, so he knew that basically was it. Um it was unfortunate to happen, but you know, it's one of those things that that just happens sometimes. It was a nice ball, just you know, I will I will say that. It was a good good ball as he it, it did catch Dunk out and and unfo- unfortunately for us it was a goal come out for it and obviously now it's level. But uh you know, we just have to try try again and uh get back another goal and which we well, obviously did, which we'll get on to.
0: Yeah, we did. We did. We certainly did crack on. I think I was, you know, I was really disappointed to concede another relatively sloppy goal. As I say, it had shades of last season's Aston Villa defeat on it, uh, with a long ball over the top, which caught our defenders out a few times last season, and it was just a shame that, as you say, Dan, that Lewis Dunk didn't deal with the ball. Um, it caught him out, and you know, it was a fair fair play to Leicester because it was a good goal. They've obviously. Um, They obviously spotted a weakness in our defence, which I highlighted in our group chat at half time, which we'll talk about now. There was no changes going into the second half. I was on the group chat saying that I wanted to see us go to a back four because I thought Dunk was a bit isolated in the centre. There was quite a few gaps in between the back three, which I thought would be exploited by the likes of Jamie Vardy when he came on. Um, Thankfully, Graham Potter didn't listen to me and he listened to himself because Graham Potter, it turns out, is actually he knows more about football than than me. Who would have thought it? Um, but no changes were made at half halftime. Um, and Webster very quickly, in my mind, at least, um, made up for that relatively uh, poor ball. Um, and he went on a mazy run through the middle of the pitch. He slalom between Leicester players. And then he was eventually brought down five yards outside the box. Just before we talk about what happened next, Joe, um, how how nice was it to see Webster make one of those um, you know quintessential Webster runs?
1: Yeah, um, it's something that we've seen and, and highlighted before about Webster's game, about what he can bring to the side, um, and it was was brilliant to, to see him um, do that. Um, and it's won us a free kick. So I'm sure Graham Potter was, was really happy with him that, that he gets us up the pitch that way. Um, he's a big lad. No one's going to tackle him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it was a good piece of intelligence from, from Webster to see the gap um, and just burst into it and, and win us that free kick.
0: Now, folks at home, if you've watched the game, you know what's coming next now. The weekend was littered with controversial VAR decisions and our game against Leicester was no different. Um, We had the free kick. Gross's free kick is put into the box and it's partly cleared, but then the ball falls to McAllister 25 yards out and he hammers absolutely thunder bastard of a shot into the top corner. Goal of the season, right there! I yeah, goal of the season. What a goal! But it's chalked off for offside. Took four minutes, four minutes. Curtis, in your opinion, based on what we know now, based on all the replays that we've seen, now that we're no longer in the heat of the moment,
2: was that the right call? Well, first things first. I hope they managed to uh, get the actual goalposts from Eastbourne because that's where the ball took took it. Because that was ridiculous. It's such a shame that was chalked off because the power he got on that. Oh, that would have been probably up there with like one of the greatest goals at the Amex. Period. I think. Um, so it was it was a big shame in that sense, but also a massive shame for Mac because he was he was great, um, but it's so strange like there's so many i've watched it over and over again i've watched you know the 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 slow motion and i've i've looked at where they've drawn the lines and everything And i'm still like i i don't see where that how i don't see how <laughs> still if one of you could maybe explain it to me then i would appreciate it i mean
0: yeah i will sure i'll give it a go um, so actually, I, I won't give you a go because actually, Dan, you you messaged the group chat just before we came on air about uh, that re- Ref Watch or <laughs> whatever it's called. Uh, do you want to just explain uh, to the viewers what they said this morning?
3: So basically, um, so the I'll, I'll explain what Ref Watch is. Basically, they have Dermot, who's a former referee, um, to come on Sky Sports News during the football show on a Monday to basically talk about VAR, basically, and decisions, what should have been, and whatever. So, with our game, they looked at it um, and he said basically that it was offside due to obviously when they did the lines, but obviously it took ages to try and determine where the, the Leicester player was and where the Brighton player was, which I don't understand anyway, but okay. And then he said um, the next thing they've got to look at is if the overhead kick um, impeded the, the ability of the, of the defender to head the ball away. And in his mind, it, it, it did. Um, and that's why he went to the monitor, which I was puzzled with because I was thinking it's an offside. If you're looking for an offside, basically they tell you it's an offside and you you go for it. Then he went to the to the monitor. I was like, what are you doing that for? It's it's a thing. But the reason why he went to the monitor is that if 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 his, his opinion that it was clear and obvious that it was um, it was impeding the defender, and obviously in which they said yes. And then they gave the offside. It's one of those sort of decisions where you sort of go, because the other, I think it was is it Sue Smith and, um, I can't remember the other guy's name. They were like going, it's unfortunate that given was given an offside, but you don't want to see that because it's a nice goal. And it was like, yeah, it is a nice goal. But according to the referees, you know, it's a—it's it's an offside, which I've seen pictures of it and I'm like, it doesn't even look like it. Because I'm—I'm your immediate reaction is to look at their feet. But looking at your feet, you're looking at the arm, and it's like that needs to be changed to start off with because, you know, I know they can score with shoulders and whatever, but to try and determine where the sleeve, obviously you can't tell on my sleeve, obviously, where the sleeve starts and ends and whatever. And it's, you know, obviously it near took too long as well, the whole the whole situation of it all. is I sat there, like it was going, zooming in, zooming out, zooming in, zooming out, and I'm like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I don't know what you're looking at. And then they kept zooming in and out. I'm like, decide what you're doing, seriously. And then it was like, then all of a sudden they put the lines up. And I was like, that didn't even look offside. And then they replayed it to look at that. And obviously, then they went to the monitor and all that. It took way too long. Um, I don't know if you guys want to carry on this bit bit anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, but it's, it's it took yeah. too long,
0: way long. Joe, if it takes four minutes to chalk a goal off for upside, if it takes all that time to draw the lines to to see, and if it's then a subjective decision anyway, does that fall into the realms of clear and obvious error?
1: With how closely they look at it, as Dan said, they look at the bloody shirt theme. It's never, ever, ever going to be clear and obvious. Never. When they measure it by a millimetre. So a player is getting impeded, because he wears an extra large shirt and the other player wears a, a, a large shirt. Is, is that seriously what the referees and what VAR are trying to tell me they're working off of because somebody's shirt seam is a little bit bigger than the other one? It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't Whether it's the right decision or not, because there's so much controversy about it and so many different opinions, whether it's the right decision or not, the fact that it took four minutes... To come to that decision is an absolute joke. We're sat in the stadium. I believe I was the only one at the stadium out of us four. We're sat in the stadium. We've got no idea what's going on. Absolutely no idea. Somebody said, oh, that I think they might be looking at an offside. And then as you say, Dan, why is he going to the monitor to look at an offside? There is no transparency at all. Why are we fans left completely in the dark about what's going on at our football club's game? That they should take some serious pointers from rugby and have the referees microphoned so they can take some bloody responsibility for the complete incompetency that they continue to show week in, week out, and it has to be invested. We've spoken about the, the t- decisions at the other games as well. What an absolute joke of a weekend it's been for VAR. As I say, I, whether it's the right decision or not for us, Yes, it's taken away a, a fantastic goal for Alexis McAllister. May, maybe it, it did impede the the Leicester player, but it's taken four bloody minutes. It's not good enough.
0: No, and if it's offside, that is not a, that that is an objective, right or wrong, as it were. It's not subjective. So, as you say, why on earth was the ref sent over to the to the monitor? It was either yeah, that's offside. You got to chalk it off there should be no, we'll go over to the monitor. That's because that is not clear and obvious because from my perspective, Muepu. Yeah, he sure. He looks offside, but he doesn't touch the ball. Yes. He makes the effort to play the ball, but before Muepu even shapes his body to get into the overhead kick position, the Leicester defender is already putting his head down. So he hasn't impeded the defender. He hasn't, change the defender's mind nothing mwepu has done has impacted the leicester city defender's ability to clear the ball which means that it's purely subjective which means it's not a clear and obvious error and if it takes four minutes to decide that is not clear and obvious and that is not in the remit of
2: var curtis you know, can, you know, just just quickly quickly as well what makes me angry about it is all this extra time that it takes to do these things is it's time that's going to be added on at the end of the game, which could cost a, a team three points, you, you know? And and I, I would, I would hate for that to happen to, to, to anyone, you know, would be so, horrible.
1: Somebody, somebody made a suggestion. Sorry, Tom, just before you, um, somebody made a suggestion that it, it should, again, I'm, I'm bringing rugby into it. A lot of people won't like me for this because rugby is a posh man's game or whatever. Um, I love rugby personally. Um, Rugby, the rugby clock stops when the ball goes out of play or when the referee is making a decision. That should, ha- I think, football should the, the the length of the game should be shortened, and the clock should stop. Um, and I think we sh- we would see a, a much fairer and then and then time wasting goes away as well because everyone would have the same fair amount of time um, to win the game or, or get the points, and and that wouldn't that wouldn't even be in the conversation. Yeah
0: time-wasting would stop giving a team an advantage. What I was going to ask you, Curtis, is do you think, uh, as Cam, our friend Cam on Twitter suggested, do you think there should be a time limit of, say, a minute? And if the officials cannot make a decision uh, within that time limit, that the original decision should stand?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I can completely, because it's just frustrating enough not knowing what's going on like in any way and like when you're at the stadium all you've got is checking for possible offside checking for possible fat come on man (laughs) just 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 give us give us something at least you know um but yeah i totally i totally agree with that that there should definitely be a time limit to these things because four minutes is ridiculous
1: yeah, it uh, so is. And like, it, it, it lingers on to the fans that are in the stadium as well because when we scored the third goal, the guy in front of me, he turned around to us and he was like, don't celebrate, VAR might rule it out. And he he, he didn't celebrate Trossard's goal, which we'll come on to in a minute. And I just find that absolutely sickening. It's just taking the, the love and the spontaneity, is that the right word? Spontaneity. Um, spontaneity thank you Tom um out of the game and it's just so sad to see um and correct me if I'm wrong as well guys that might know football a bit better than me but when the defender heads it out the does that not start a new passage of play
0: so so then the
1: offside shouldn't really be a thing but I I might not know the rules well enough
0: again it's it's Technically you could make the argument after they draw those lines that Mwepu was offside. The bit that is subjective and in my opinion, therefore not clear and obvious, is whether Muwepu's actions impede the defender. I'd argue that they didn't, because the defender successfully cleared the ball. Um, I don't know what would have happened any differently if Mwepu hadn't have gone for that. Um but just one thing on this point, because I don't want to linger on it too much because I'm sure everyone's uh, already <laughs> ranted themselves silly about it, is just in reference to rugby, um, I think it's so key that, that you can hear the referees, you can hear the um, the man behind the screen who's giving the referee, on on-field referee, the instructions from the VAR. You know, wherever they may be and as a fan in the ground you can buy this is a rugby you can buy like a ref mic so it's like just like a little earpiece and it's got like a little radio box on it and you basically just you can hear what the, what's happening on the pitch and also when you watch rugby on the tv you can hear the referees talking to each other and it just helps build this communication and it also as joe you've mentioned it makes referees accountable you know, we expect players and managers to come out after a game and justify decisions, justify formations, justify performances. Why aren't the referees doing that? Are they so scared of any and all scrutiny that they just hide themselves away? And any that a manager or a coach so much as thinks about criticising them, they're fined. That's not how a sport works. Your referees are not infallible. There's a reason that hardly any British referees go to major tournaments because the standard of refereeing is not good enough in this country. And VAR and the officiating behind it has had a shocking weekend. And in my opinion, I would rather have a few odd games where we as Brighton fans get goals ruled out that I later go, oh, that shouldn't have been ruled out. Or, you know, other teams get a lucky goal that should have been offside than have this system in place that stops fans celebrating goals in the stadium. It's ridiculous it needs to be scrapped or it needs such a huge overhaul, um, that it, it doesn't look like it does currently because in its current guise, it's not fit for purpose. Um, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore yet. Oh, that felt quite cathartic. I quite enjoyed that. Um, anyway, so let's move on and talk about an actual goal. Um, we start start to see uh, Karim Mutoma, uh warming up, um, and it looks like he's about to come on. But just before he can get onto the pitch, Trossard scores moments before. Veltman, Bloody, what...
2: selfish Trossard. I, don't know, okay. right? I, wanted,
0: I wanted to see Matoma. Uh, Veltman wins the ball off Dakar, 35 yards out from Leicester's goal. Then McAllister pounces on the loose ball. He knocks it to the assist king, Pascal Gross, who pokes it through to Trossard. Puts it past Ward. What a lovely goal it was, and what a lovely build up play. Dan, what was your opinion on the goal?
3: Fairly decent goal. Um, say so it was a uh, very, very good, good play, uh, especially after that whole such a shambles as well. Easy heads could drop, easy heads can can just get frustrated and. Just your head can just just job. obviously not no probably Graham probably was on the sid- sidelines and Duncan probably telling look keep your heads we can we can do is try and do it without VAR and luckily we didn't need it for this one because even though I just sort of I was when I was watching it I did sort of thought oh he, he better be offside because I sort of didn't looking at it that looks like, like a top sign. please don't be offside and luckily it wasn't so I was happy that that we they got the the goal that that VAR couldn't get rid of luckily.
0: Take that VAR, you bastard, um, Joe. I've often come on this podcast, and I've often said that Leo, Leonardo Trossa, he, you know, he drifts in and out of games that I'd rather play. Soly March. Um, do you think Leo is underrated, or is he simply one of those players that can drift in and out of games and then produce a moment of magic?
1: Ah, uh, he's he's wonderful. I absolutely love him. Um, we're so lucky to have a player like him that, that turns up in, in those big moments, doesn't get flustered. You can put him through on goal, one-on-one with the keeper. Nine times out of ten, he's he's going to score. Whichever way he he tries to score, we saw the lovely chip last season against Brentford, um, which obviously any other player might have sort of uh, got a bit flustered and, and, and missed the target. But just what a player to have. And let's, let's tie him down on, on a new deal because this is a guy that again we we can build around him for the future i um, mean he can be a real focal point in our attack through for, for, through for whether that be left wing back cuz he plays there really well um a lot of fans don't like it because he could operate with maybe a stronger striker like danny Welbeck in, in the cent- central areas or come off the the, the left hand side um like in a winger's position um, and and the technique that that boy has got obviously we'll get onto the penalty in a minute but some of the skill moves, the confidence that guy has at the moment, it's just unreal. And he, he's had that confidence ever since coming back from Belgium uh, on, on uh, international duty. And, and long may that continue. And exactly, exactly that. Um, we, we just love it. And I, as I say, let's get him on a new deal. And yeah, si- sign him up. Right? And just give him, give him a blank check. Tell him to write whatever number he likes um, and keep him at this football club.
0: Yeah, it's Leo's sightseeing tour, isn't it? Let's be honest. He's um he's made a really fantastic start to the season. And Curtis, he was instrumental in in the fourth goal uh, in that he burst into the box. Beautiful, beautiful bit of skill. He made Ndidi look like a League Two player there. Um, Ndidi can do nothing apart from bring him down. I mean, let's just talk about that skill, Curtis, before we
2: talk about the penalty. I mean, just how good was that? Indeed, more like mm, terrible, really just fantastic from Trossard there. Just sort of a little weave around him like that, and just invite in the fa- oh beautiful. More of that, please. Um, but yeah, again, I, I always say this in the group chat and whatnot. He he has these times where he doesn't show up and he's a bit of a ghost. Um, but as of late, I think he's been really, really good, really consistent. Um, so again, long may that continue because when he's on, he's I think one of the best, like one of the best. And then
0: who should step up to take that penalty? And Alexis McAllister, Dan, it was Alexis's time to put the wrongs of VAR behind him and, you know, and do a goal as it were. Um Just before we talk about, you know, a bit, the penalty, I guess, I mean, how much, I don't know. Courage is perhaps the wrong word, but you've got to have you got to have pretty stern. You've got to be made of sorry, of pretty stern stuff. After having the disappointment of scoring probably one of the best goals you'd probably ever score in your career, uh, chalked off. I mean, you've got to be you've got to be pretty ballsy to then step up to the to the penalty spot and put that in, don't you think?
3: I will just refer you to the uh, Wolves away game last season when he missed the first penalty. And then he written he stepped up again to take the second one, and then score it perfectly. You know, he obviously has the confidence in himself to carry on trying, which is great to see. Because you know, a lot of people always say heads can drop, especially when you just scored the probably one of the best goals probably in the in the whole season, or even as as when you said um, the whole in the whole it's the um, time of the Amex. You know. Um for then to say, well, I'm gonna take the penalty and take the penalty, and then they'll see score it very, very, very well as well. Um yeah, it does does take a lot of courage. You know, I probably many other people with their heads but a dropped after that team, that their, their best goal, probably they're ever gonna score in their life. I think he even said it in the interview he said he won't score and score a goal like that ever again, which I'm sure he will. If he can do it then, I'm sure there'll be a chance he'll go, actually you no know what' gonna try this again.
0: But, yeah, the, the penalty, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a lot of courage, as you rightfully point out, Dan, um, because he did exactly the same last season against Wolves. Um, Joe, he sends Ward the wrong way. Were you confident then that the game was put to bed? <laughs> confident.
1: <laughs> A Brighton fan, confident that we're we're two goals up and and we we might win a game in 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 a in a healthy, happy way. Um, I mean, I'm I'm getting more confident in this team, this Brighton team, that when we go a couple of goals ahead, that we, we're we're going to see the game up because our game management is is wonderful. It I I think Graham's got them really really well drilled. Um, what a penalty from McAllister again. The the confidence of the guys. Is top notch. Um, the the mentality, fantastic. Um, and he's an, another one that we need to sign and, and get tied down on a new deal um, because I, I think this guy could go uh, right to the the very top of, of football um, and and be a real focal point for for any team in in the country or even in Europe. So um, he's a guy that we've really got to keep hold of um, and realise his potential. Um, first few games of the season in the new holding midfield role, he's just found himself a new lease of life. Um And I know it's not the same position, but Lionel who?
0: Yeah, the Argentinian number 10. I mean, is worth mentioning, like, I think it was against, was it against Man United or West Ham? I think yeah, it was West Ham. Uh, Basuma came off at half-time and McAllister slotted into the deep role and he just looked phenomenal. And he's oh, looked...
1: And can I just say he's got a bloody wonderful smile, Alexis McAllister. I love his smile; it's so infectious, and it makes me all happy inside. So he's Alexis, just really I love neat. him. He's just so neat.
0: He is neat, isn't he? Yeah, he's um he's a fantastic player. He's um Potter has got him playing so well in that deeper role, um and the partnership that he has with Caicedo is is really excellent. And if those two can stay fit, um you know our midfield is going to look really strong. Um. I'm not going to dwell on this too much. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about an, another incident involving VAR or no VAR, as the case may be, is that I thought that we should have had another penalty. Madison lunged in on Muwepu um, and it wasn't even reviewed, to my knowledge. I don't think it was even reviewed. And it's just the reason I want to bring it up is just a lack of consistency because we literally saw West Ham have a goal disallowed at the weekend for the faintest of touches um, on Mendy. But there was no review when, you know, Madison pretty much scythed Muepu down. And I just think that once again, it's, it's just a lack of consistency. It's not good enough. Um, and it just even further shows just how, what a shambles of a system VAR is. Um, and I think one of the things that was said was, oh, they didn't, maybe they didn't look at it because Leicester were already losing 4-2. The referee had already given Brighton a penalty. Since when should that matter in the rules of the game? It doesn't matter uh, or it shouldn't matter. But apparently it was uh, enough to make them think twice about reviewing it. And I just wanted to mention that. I'm not going to get into a debate about it or discussion, but I did think that it was appalling. Um, Curtis. Um, last thing we're going to chat about, like main event stuff, I suppose, is when Mue- uh, Mueppu, Alexis scored a rocket of a free kick. Um, it was, I think, what, the seventh minute of stoppage time, uh, 25
2: yards out. Top bins, preach, brother. I mean, like him saying that he doesn't think he'll ever score a goal like the one that was chalked off. That was pretty bloody close. I got, I got to say that that was wonderful. I mean, um, it was slightly spoiled for me because the group chat was a l- tiny little bit ahead of my stream, and I just saw like I just saw like Mac, and I was like, what? And then I saw it, I was like, oh. Oh, it was. It was. Oh, it was a. Should have been a league. Wonderful girl. Beautiful, beautiful girl. I'm so happy for him. He should be on a hat trick. He should have scored. He, it's. It's ridiculous. Um, definite man of the match yesterday. Um, oh, wonderful. Just wonderful. I don't have the words. I think. I
0: mean, answers on a postcard. I I can't remember the last person who scored a direct free kick was. I mean... Pascal
1: Gross. I'd imagine it was Pascal. Could be Lewis, to be fair. I remember
0: scoring against Liverpool with that cheeky little... Yeah, Yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. one. And then he did exactly the same thing against West Brom and it was chalked off again because of... I think
1: Pascal scored a few direct
3: free kicks He scored one at
0: home last season, I think. Well, if you know, guys, listeners, drop us a comment below and let us know who scored the last Brighton direct free kick before Alexis did at the weekend. Um, Ryan we...
1: Harley, was it?
0: Or... Oh, Ryan Harley. Was it Jake forster Kasky, perhaps? I don't know. Um, just really quickly, Dan, before we uh, come to our Player of the Match um nominees i just want to talk really quickly about a debut for billy gilmore who joined from chelsea on the last day of the transfer window only brought on for a few minutes um but nice to see him get his debut wasn't
3: it yeah it's nice to see him get on the pitch um obviously it's nice to get a debut when when your team's already winning because there's a lot less pressure on you to do to do something but um but yeah it's good to see him and uh i just want to remark on the 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 um the announcement of the transfer, can I say that was top-notch? Because I was disappointed if they weren't going to do it. And uh, when he did it, I was like, yes! That looks brilliant, brilliant. I was just like, "Like, no, had to do a happy Gilmore reference in there. i how they did. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, as I say, good to see him seeing his debut. Hopefully we see him a bit more and uh, in the f- future, which, which probably won't be until the cup game because I wouldn't put him in right now. But, but yeah, it was nice to see him get his debut.
0: Most definitely, and another man who made it onto the pitch, Joe was uh, Dennis Undav. Now, you know, I, you know, I'm going to hold my hands up and say that you know I was not critical of Dennis Undav, but I was questioning his uh, the impact he could have on this team, high flying Brighton team. Uh, but what did you make of his brief a cameo at the weekend?
1: I think it was a great moment for him to come on and to get some Premier League experience uh, against a. Uh, a Leicester team that were, were getting beaten four um, two, and yeah, I I just thought it was was really good showing from him, really physical. Um, I thought he got himself into some really decent positions, um, and and I think we can expect a lot more from him. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what more more he can do with more more football. I've already said before that obviously he he needs more game time, and people need to give him a chance. Um, so yeah, let let's see what he can do, and he's got a great opportunity as well to s- hopefully start at Arsenal in the in the Carabao Cup and just test himself uh, against the the level of of opposition that he's going to be playing against.
0: Most definitely. So let's uh, let's have at it then, guys. Player of the match, Joe. I'm going to come to you first, mate. Uh, who caught your eye?
1: There's only one man, and he should have had a hat trick, and it should be no question at all.
0: Ryan Harley. Um,
1: yeah. How did you know? How did you know? Um, talking of players from the past, I saw Steve Sidwell and Bobby Zamora, which was bloody amazing. All right, um, rub it in, so, Joe. Yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna rub that in, and I'll, I'll I've posted the selfies about five times because I love it. Um, but no, Alexis McAllister. And um, what a game from him! As as we said, he should have had a hat trick, and yeah, bloody beautiful! I love that Argentinian Scotsman because he's sort of half Scottish.
2: I thought you loved Solly March, Joe. What you can't? I
1: love I love this whole team.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's really worth
0: saying once again. There were some fantastic performances out there, but once again, we showed that we are. Where there is no big egos in this club. There are no big names. This team, I mean, before before the game, uh, some of the pundits on Sky Sports were saying, oh, Leicester have got a better team, blah, 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 blah. They should be winning this. I don't think, I, I mean, I'm very biased and I don't watch loads and loads of Premier League football. But when I see us come ag- up against other teams, I very rarely see a team that is as well glued together as ours most teams will have a big name here, a big name there, and that will be what wins them the game. But for us, we've just got such a team unity, a team spirit. And I mean,
2: Curtis, who was your man of the match? I mean, it's kind of obvious. Um, it's obviously Mac. Ryan but... Harley. <laughs> Yay. No, but it's obviously Mac. But um, again, there were a, you know, a couple of players who, who played incredibly well. Yeah. Yesterday, um, I thought, you know, Trossard had a really good game as well. Um, but, you know, it's got to go to Mac for his just his passion, the fire he had, and the three goals that he scored. Um, but Mac, yes. So, Dan, are
0: you going to make it a hat trick? Are you two going to vote for Ryan Harley as your man of the match?
3: Drumroll, please. <laughs> of course. Of course, it's going to be a hat-trick for the the should-be hat-trick boy. You know, um, I even said in the crew chat, I just said, oh, on he's got his hat-trick. And I also remember, oh, yeah, that one was chalked off, wasn't it? Oh, never mind. But, yeah, McAllister,
1: unplayable. Um,
3: yeah, that's about it.
1: <laughs> I was yeah, about I think- to say, Tom, sorry, just before you go on, I was about to say when you were saying about teams underestimating us i know i keep butting in don't i how how dare i do that on a podcast um um, no i I was about to say it's it's about time that people stop underestimating us but actually maybe not because continue to do so we'll carry on proving you wrong um and who knows we could even get european football let's not get too carried away joe shut up but it could happen let's break that barrier teams have done it before we can do it this team and Yesterday's show, this team are unbelievable and unplayable at times. Um, so long may it continue.
2: Guys, have you seen that that recent report? It basically says we're massive. I don't know if you've you've seen it, have you? Are we bigger than Todd Miller's hair? Uh hold on. Yes, much bigger.
0: Fantastic. Um I think in terms of my player of the match, I mean, yeah, McAllister, because he was phenomenal, but I'm also gonna give out um a shout out to Mwepu because I was really, I did not expect um, him to put in such a, I mean, albeit a bit quiet, but, you know, he, he was very professional. He did the, the the easy things, the easy things like, you know, he did things well, he kept it simple. And after the game against Fulham, which I was very critical of him for, you know, I think, you know, I have to give him a shout out because I thought he did really, really well. Um, so big shout out to Enoch, but now it has to be Ali Mack because, um, again, Getting into that, that new holding midfielder role and scoring those goals, phenomenal performance from him. Only only choice, really. Isn't Is that
1: there? the first time that we've had all four hosts pick the same player for Man of the Match?
0: Um, I think it might be. We've been pretty close before, um, but it could be. Now, Joe mentioned Curtis dreaming of European football. Burnley have done it. Wolves have done it. I even think uh, Manchester United have done it. And we all know how uh, I don't know, they won it the weekend. I shouldn't be too cocky. Uh, but no, teams like Brighton can make Europe.
2: Do you think we dare to dream? I'm going to be a bit divisive here. I think we can do it. Absolutely, we can do it. Do I want us to? No. But that's something we can maybe say for a different pod. But... I worry about squad depth, um, ultimately, um, but that's just my two cents on it. Uh, and I've worried about that for a while. But I know, obviously, if you get into those places, more money cl- comes in, and then we can get more players in. I understand that. Um, would I like to see us play European football? Absolutely, I'd love to see it. But I worry. So, yeah,
0: we'll. Um, I think we could save that for another pod. Maybe if we're still rocking, uh, you know, the top six aspirations towards the end of the season we'll we can dive into it then uh Dan your thoughts on it please I mean obviously we need to you know we are only what six games into the season uh but we're mixing it up you know we're, we're we're fourth um you know we've got like the top six sandwich we've got like three above us three below us um and there we are just rocking in the middle having a lovely time do you think that Brighton could push on this season everyone was tipping Newcastle to do it why not Brighton
3: See, I, I, I agree. Obviously, no, I, I, I think we could probably do it. Um, I want us to do it. But um, I've, I'm like, my worry is slightly different. It's the Burnley thing. Because whereas when they were doing well in Europe, the league sort of form started to go. And I think if I'm, I might be wrong, but I think they were very close-ish to relegation that season. I can't really remember but I um, know they were they were sort of close to it. That's the only yeah, thing worries yeah. About me.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I think they had a high-flying season mm. and then quickly found themselves fighting relegation. And I think Wolves did as well, uh, perhaps not to the same extent as Burnley, but they got European football and then they struggled to sort of replicate that that form that had got them so well, um, well so high in the league and if you're asking me if i would rather keep knocking on the door of the established top six or play european football uh, and then find ourselves you know fighting relegation uh, i think i'd probably the former but the dream of european football is you know if you'd said that to me when we were playing at the with dream i would have i would have thought was you, you were, born I, I, I was
1: born <laughs> I. I think, I think if our our club if our club got there, I think it's run well enough for us to establish ourselves there. Because if you think about it, every level that we've gone up under Tony Bloom, albeit with a couple of hiccups along the way, Sammy Hui comes to mind. We've established ourselves at every single level that we've we've got to, like obviously fighting relegation in the Premier League and then we, we had a, a really bad season during lockdown. Graham Potter was obviously trying to build what he's built today. Um, last season, we finished ninth. I'm very quietly confident that if we did get there, we would establish ourselves there because our club is so fantastically run. I don't think Tony Bloom would be silly enough to leave us depleted and to struggle in the league if we got to the promised land of you mean European we football.
0: Might- we might actually sign a striker. <laughs> Jokes. No, a joke. but whoa, Thomas, like, whoa. Okay. We're, we're
1: just we we just establish ourselves so well. Once our foot's in the door, you you can't get us out of the room. And and Brighton's this this massive thing that, that that the biggest thing in the room that people just choose to ignore. Um, and I, I I like it that way. I can't lie. Carry on pu- pushing us into the corner. Nobody pushes Brighton into the corner. Yeah.
0: We're like uh, when you throw a party at your house. We're like that guest who's like the last to go and they just will not leave. And you're like, oh, I'm getting pretty tired now. And they're like, oh, yeah, but I'll have another drink, thanks. Um, yeah, they're that guy. Um, but I think, um, you know, we, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I think um, just really, really quickly, and I'm not going to go into, into too much depth, but everything you've just said, Joe, about the longevity, about Tony Bloom trusting, about the process, that, in my opinion, is the reason that Graham Potter will not go to a team like Villa. He will not go to a team like Leicester. He will not, well, maybe not Leicester so much, but definitely won't go to Villa because the fans and the board, they would not give him the time that he needs to build the squad, to build the style of football. It takes time. Tony Bloom is a patient man.
1: I 100% can guarantee that if Graham Potter was at any other club during the time that we were struggling in lockdown and we went so many games lo- losing to Sheffield United, this, that and the other and that's not taken away from Sheffield United because they were great that year um, he would have gone any other owner he would have been gone
0: yeah exactly and I think that's what uh, fans of some teams who think oh they they could get uh, Graham Potter because they're massive like Sunderland um, I don't think I think that's what they don't understand um, that it takes time. But anyway, uh, we digress really quickly. Then, guys, before we uh, come off air, let's talk about Bournemouth because we go to the Vitality. Is it still the Vitality Stadium now? I lose track. The Bournemouth Stadium. Uh, we go there um, <laughs> to, to to play Bournemouth, plucky little Bournemouth, um, who have had a, a pretty rough start. They've recently just departed uh, with Scott Parker, the manager there. Um, after a 9-0 thrashing to Liverpool. They did manage to get a draw against Forest, I believe, at the weekend. So they're back sort of at it. They didn't? Oh, they, I thought they, they won 3-2, yeah. Mm. Ah, well, that shows me that I don't know as much as I think I know. So they, they've they got off the back of a win against Forest. Uh, Joe, score predictions, please. How do you think the game's going to go?
1: Bournemouth for Brighton. No, I'm joking.
0: Um, Yeah, it's going to be another really tough,
1: test for us um it's the, the same I, I feel the same way as i did before the fulham game this is a newly promoted side we come off just come off a, a win in the premier league um i'm not sure if it was their first win um of the season i believe did they win against aston villa as well um that might have been them again yeah, they won the first I mean, game of the
0: season
1: right. I think. so yeah no they've they've got something about them for sure um obviously just sat their manager and um, they'll be wanting to prove themselves to whoever it is that comes in next and and the interim that they have at, at the time um, so it's going to be a really no- another really tough test um, and I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see us um, draw the game uh, but we just got to be really careful there's going to be so many banana skins along the way like Bournemouth like Nottingham Forest uh, t- teams that you know, aren't going to be fighting for the for the top half of the table like we are. Um, I don't want to sound too arrogant, so I tried not to say teams like. Um, but yeah, it's going to be another really tough game.
0: Yeah, there's uh, Bournemouth and no pushovers. I mean, yes, Liverpool put nine past them, but you know, we're not Liverpool. Uh, Curtis, um, what do you make of the game, and what is your score prediction, please?
2: Um, tricky, tricky one. This. Um... Because it could be, it could be a repeat of like something like Fulham. Hopefully, it's not. Um, I mean, obviously, Bournemouth are, are, yeah, they're struggling a little bit, and in they, uh, it wasn't the uh, tidiest of wins against Nottingham because Nottingham put up a great fight, and you know, Bournemouth uh, in the end, you know, came away with all three points, so you know, they deserved it. Um, I'm going to predict a two-one win to us. I, I do feel like. Uh, I feel like our, our defence has been a bit shaky uh, as of late, so I, I sort of kind of worry about that to an extent. But I think 2-1 to us.
0: Very good. How about you, Dan? Where, uh, what are your thoughts ahead of Bournemouth?
3: See, if they still had Scott Parker, I would basically would say um, probably nice, easy win, because I don't rate him as a manager at all in the Premier League. But as they say, sacked him before they before we can have a chance to even play him, obviously. It's going to be completely different.
1: Um selfish poos.
3: Yes, they are. They're very selfish, you know. Could get could at least give them until Christmas and I would I'm had my protection in right. But then, um, put that's that's another another thing completely. Um but as is as is someone different, it's it's gonna be one of those teams where you know it could go horribly right, or could it could go right, it could go horribly wrong. Um <sighs> As we know at the moment, there's no movement of manager, which probably is maybe good or bad, depending on what side you're sort of sitting on. Um, I think I feel the same. Maybe a sort of close win, one nil, two one, just sort of get the goal, big big goal ahead, and just sort of just hope that they we don't have any mistakes and do all right. But but uh, yeah, it'll be one of those games where hopefully it won't turn out like Fulham.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Um, for me, I think you know, as Aaron always says, uh, "Ask me when the teams are revealed." Um, if we start with a striker, I have great faith that we could get a result. Um, Bournemouth are no pushovers; um, they'll be up for it, and Bournemouth are our bogey team. Um, so, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a two-one win because I'm going to be nice and optimistic, but. As Curtis has uh, sort of said, you know our defence is a bit shaky at the moment. Um, so to keep a clean sheet would be a bonus, um, but it is not nailed on. Uh, who knows what Bournemouth will be like? Dominic Solanke might turn up and absolutely rinse us like a wet
2: flannel. But let's hope that doesn't just happen. Just to
1: clarify, yeah. I didn't just pick my nose; it was
2: on the outside. Just oh. saying. And by the way, in this pod, you might have seen us agreeing and disagreeing on stuff. Why don't you head to the YouTube channel where there's an agree-disagree video from the two chaps above us here. Really great piece of content that. Really, really, really fun stuff. Check it out. You'll love it. It's great.
1: Curtis, I agree.
3: It is excellent, by the way. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good if I say so myself. Joe, you've done some lovely editing there. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, well, of course, guys, you know, our YouTube channel has got some fantastic content on it. um, And we're going to be bringing some new fantastic content your way very soon. I've been banging on about it. We've got an author coming on next week, which is going to be really exciting. More information to follow. Don't forget, guys, we're also doing our Guess the Shirt competition. Guess the Shirt, it's not a competition. Guess the Shirt uh, content that we're doing daily on on the old twitter
1: i don't have anything to give away so
0: no not this it was just i misspoke joe i got too excited um but anyway you know the drill wherever you may be whenever you may be have a wonderful day evening morning brunch slightly late supper uh, maybe a, a little z's. you know but anyway don't forget to like share and subscribe for more content if you haven't done so already and we'll see you next time take care